We're continuing our series uh, called Break Free, talking about the spiritual disciplines and about how these are not rules that we're supposed to follow, but they're things that allow us to experience God's grace and allow us to experience his freedom. And so uh, we've been talking about a few different things. Tonight we're going to talk about prayer, all right? Do you guys like the sound of people slurping? I hate that sound. That's like, that's like the biggest pet peeve of mine. All right, so... Break free. We're talking about prayer tonight. And, you know, I was thinking about prayer, and a lot of times we complicate prayer. A lot of times we think there's, like, these rules for prayer, right? We think that we've got to, like, um, like almost, like, over-spiritualize. Like, we've got to, like, make this this big, crazy thing. We, we complicate it so much. We got these rules, like, we got to do it before this meal or this meal, or we got to do it after this. Um, we can't, we got to make sure this, these people don't see us doing it, and I was thinking about these rules and these things, and I saw this video, and I thought that we'd watch this video uh, as, I don't know, a way to see how funny it is. That Today we're talking about pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You want to, should we pray? I don't know if all very confusing. We're going to cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad. That is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is going to require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this. If it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No. Are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte, you weirdo. Soup. Do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's going to require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian, they're going to have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie. Hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee. I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters all over the world, please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer a Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table 
volunteers to lead the prayer. Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure. It's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're going to be the one that should pray because that prayer is going to be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot, even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is going to be a little less effective, but it's still going to qualify. If you're just an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? You'd be like, I don't know. Ask the pastor. He works for you. Oh my gosh. All right. That was ridiculous. I'm glad you thought that was really funny. I'm joking because no one laughed, but uh, I thought it was funny um, because we come up with these ridiculous rules, right, um, or these things and this, this, like, outline that we think that we have to have for prayer. We watch people, like, over-spiritualize prayer. Uh, I was thinking about how, uh, like, some people will, like, pray and, like, it'll be like, mm, Jesus, mm, Jesus, you are so good. And I'm like, and I think about, when I think about that, I'm not even joking, I thought about this today, and I was like, you're talking like you're, like I would talk to like a Chipotle burrito, because I'm like, mm, oh, I'm so excited to eat this right now, and you're talking to Jeep, right? Like, oh my, oh, uh, anyway, okay, so my point is, is that we, we, uh, we make it so complicated, we make prayer so complicated that it doesn't have to be complicated. Prayer, prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is a privilege that we get. It's a chance that we get to have a relationship with God. Yeah, there's reverence in prayer because we, we're, we're, talking, it's, it, we're talking to a holy and perfect God. Man, but it's, it's reverence and it's awe and it's honor with relationship. It's this idea that, man, we get to have, we get to pray, we get, we get to pray, we get to talk to God. We get to have a relationship with Him, and this is how we do it. We pray, we talk him. And so we're going to uh, go through, we're going to talk about these five things, okay? There's this verse on your outline, it's Colossians 4, and we're going uh, to talk about five things, and then we're going to look at a story, and then we're going to be done, all right? We're going to blow through these five things quickly um, so that we can look at this story and see how these five things um, play out in, some, in uh, Elijah, uh, in, in his life in the Bible, all right? So let's read Colossians 4. It's at the top of your outline, it's on the screen, it says this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. All right, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's talking to this church that he planted, and he's saying, guys, guys devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. It's the first thing he says is devote yourselves to prayer. This is the instruction that he gives. Devote yourselves to prayer. Pray steadfastly, never stopping. This is the first thing you can write down is pray constantly. Pray constantly. Devote yourselves to prayer. Man, never stopping. This isn't, uh, so th- there's, this, there's this verse in 1 Thessalonians. Maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but it's, it says, it says this. It's super simple. It's really short. It's on your outline. Then never stop praying. Never stop praying. Now, I heard this, and, I, and when I heard this when I was 
uh, a few years ago or a while ago, whatever, I heard this and I thought, well, how am I supposed to do this? I'm supposed to never stop praying without being like creepy, right? Like without people thinking I'm like on drugs or something because I'm walking around talking to myself or all the time, right? How am I supposed to do this without, well, the, the reality is, guys, is that when he says this, he's not talking about constantly like having an out loud conversation. He's not talking about like always having a conversation. He's talking about a life of prayer. He's talking about a life devoted to the fact, devoted to recognition that God is in every moment. It's not about a specific moment that we sit down and we pray and we say these specific things. And it's about a life of recognizing that God, his grace is in every single moment. It's about recognizing that he is walking with us every single day. On my phone, I have these uh, prayer alarms, okay, on my phone, uh, and I go off, go off every few hours. And uh, sometimes I'll set my phone on, like, the table or something, and people will see him go off, and, they'll, like, it'll say pray or something. And, uh, and people, and then they see that, and they're like, well, aren't, aren't, aren't you going to do it? Like, aren't you going to sit there and, like, like, they expect me to, like, sit there, like, fold my hands, close my eyes, right? Like, they expect me to do the whole thing. But the, the, the truth is, guys, that what, the reason that I do this is that so I can practice this idea of never stop praying. Because honestly, prayer is a hard one for me. Prayer is something that I have to work at. It's something that I have to work hard at doing. I have to work hard at never stopping praying, at always recognizing that God is in every moment. So I set these alarms so that when, when they go off, it's not a, it's not a okay, I'm going to go walk away and I'm going to go by myself for a minute. It's not a, okay, I'm going to, in the middle of everyone, I'm going to start, like, screaming out praises to God or screaming out random words or, or whatever. It's about, in that moment, just recognizing that God is with me, that God is walking with me, that his grace can be experienced in that moment, that if I'm sitting across from the table with someone talking, then I, I, I can recognize, I can just say, thank you, God, for this moment. It's not about a, a continuous, it's not about a, a, a way of doing it, man. It's about a life of recognizing that God is with us in every moment. Praying constantly is about committing yourself to being connected with him. Man, it's a life connected with him. Committing yourself to be connected with him. It's not a moment, it's a lifetime decision. It's an every moment decision. The second thing is pray passionately. Pray passionately passionately. You know, I was sitting at uh, Starbucks today, and when I was sitting there, uh, I was watching, I had headphones in, so I was watching, uh, like, across from me, this couple, well, maybe they weren't a couple, the guy was, it, he looked like he could have been his dad or something, her dad or something, kind of weird, but anyway, so uh, they were, like, arguing, like, it was pretty clear that they were arguing, because they were both super passionate about what they were, what they were saying. They were, like, I mean, they were standing up, they were, like, like, I couldn't hear what they were saying because, again, I had headphones in. But I could tell that they were passionate about what they were saying because they were, like, waving their hands. I mean, I thought one of them was going to punch the other one. Like, I was hoping a fight would break out or something. She had these, like, giant long nails. I was hoping, you know, like something. But I don't know, right? But, but it was crazy. I, I could tell that they were passionate about what they were talking about. At one point, I was so curious. I took my headphones out, tried to listen. You know, I think they were arguing about an apartment or something. But anyway, the point is, I could tell that they were passionate. We can recognize passion in other people, right? 
I mean, we recognize it in teachers, right? Good teachers are passionate about what they're doing. Bad teachers, we can tell when they're not passionate, right? I had a teacher in college that would just, we'd walk in, he'd open the book, and he'd just start reading. That's literally all he would do. I fell asleep every single time because it sucked. It was boring. It was so boring. He wasn't passionate about what he was teaching, and so it was boring. We can tell when there's no passion. Man, and, and God says, man, when we pray, we pray with passion. Praying with passion is praying with faith. Praying that whatever we ask will come true. Praying that whatever God says will come true. That his promises are true. Uh, James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The effective, fervent prayer. Fervent just means, man, passionate Fervent just, fervent just means a, a completely passionate prayer will accomplish much. You can accomplish much with a passionate prayer. There's two things um, that, that I was thinking about, uh, free and formed. There's two types of prayer that we get stuck in, free and formed. And free is when we, get, uh, we, when, when we just randomly pray. Free is normally like when we're reacting to something, right? It's spontaneous Right? It's just at random moments. Free is when we just, ran, we don't, it's not planned, it's just randomly praying. And formed is when we have like a list or something, right? We have a list that we're praying through. We have a, a, a Bible, Bible verses that we're praying through. Whatever it is, right? Free and formed. And I think sometimes we get stuck between one of these two. We're either free or we're formed. And we think that we have to be one or the other. But the truth is, is that it's not one or the other, it's both and. I get stuck in the free. I have a hard time, I have a hard time making time for formed prayer. I, I'm, ju I'm just being honest with you. I have a hard time making, I have to force myself to sit down, to have a moment, and to pray, and to talk to God. And so there's got to be both and. We've got to have free prayer and formed prayer. This is how we pray passionately. And we, we, we have moments where we say, God, this is coming up, this is tough, or, or God, this just happened to me, I need help. And then we need to have moments where, where we sit down and we actually practice praying, where we have a list of people that we pray through, that we pray for, where we have Bible verses that we pray through. Man, if you have looking for things to pray through, go through the book of Psalms. Go through the book of Psalms and just pray through the Psalms. Those are lists of prayers. And so it's got to be free and formed if we want to be passionate. The third one is pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. In Philippians, it says this. This is Paul again. Paul, and he's writing from prison, he says, Look, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Guys, Paul is writing this. From prison. He's writing this from prison. And he says, look, don't worry about anything. If, Paul, if anyone had any reason to worry, it was Paul, sitting in a prison cell. And prison wasn't like it is now, where they get like free meals and, you know, like they get, all, like they get three meals a day, they get to have time, right? I mean, prison is probably pretty terrible, but it was even worse back then. In fact, they relied on they, in prison, they relied on people to bring them food. If they didn't, they weren't going to get fed. 
And so do you think Paul is pretty worried at this point? And he says, listen, don't worry, but instead pray about everything. And he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. He says, we can thank him even when we're at the bottom. Even when we're facing difficult things, we have something to be thankful for. You know, Paul says it later in Philippians 4. You guys know Philippians 4.13? You guys heard the verse? Yeah? It's recited at like football games, whatever, right? Philippians 4.13. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? You guys know what Philippians 4.12 talks about? Paul says, listen, I found the secret. Remember, he's sitting in a prison cell. And he says, look, I found the secret. I found the secret to having much and to having nothing. I found the secret to to being well-fed and to being uh, hungry. I found the secret to having so much and to having little. And the secret is what? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Guys, this is what Paul said in a prison cell. He can say, listen, the secret is Jesus. And the secret is being thankful for what Jesus has done. The secret is recognizing that he is good, that he will fulfill his promises, that he will never give up, just like we sang about, that his reckless love will never end. We, ha- we can pray thankfully. We always have a reason to pray thankfully. Next one, pray selflessly. Selflessly. Pray selflessly. Guys, if we spend all of our lives, if we spend all of our lives praying just about things that we want, praying just about things that that we desire, and then we're missing out. And when we pray for others, we get to see God answer those prayers. And when we spend time praying for other people, and not just saying, because, I mean, I'm guilty of this, man. We, we are guilty of just saying, okay, I'm praying for you. Okay, I, I send a quick text, like, praying for you, right? But do we actually take the time to pray for that person? I know if I don't go and I don't write that person's name down, if I don't write it down on my phone, or if I don't write it down on a piece of paper or something, man, then I, I won't. And I'm guilty of doing that. Gosh, but when, when the times that I have, gosh, it's so cool to see how God answers those prayers. When we choose to pray selflessly and God says, okay, I'll answer those prayers. It might not be the way you're expecting it, but God will answer. First Timothy says, here are my directions. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do. For them. And praying for others helps us to see how God answers, how God answers with his mercy and his grace. Praying for others. Jesus says to pray for those who persecute you. How much different would we see people if we walk away from people who, who are bullies, who are mean, who are who are wronged us? And if we walk away from those people and we say, Jesus, man, that sucked. But would you bring your mercy on the, and grace and show your mercy and your grace to that person? How much different would we live if every time we faced hardship, if every time we faced bullying and people being rude and mean to us, instead of lashing out, 
We chose to walk away and say, Jesus, give me patience and help that person. Man, because they're hurting just as much as I am. How much different would we see people? How much different would we live? And pray selflessly. The last one is pray actively. Pray actively. Pray actively. Man, this is praying active in faith and active in action. And I know that's redundant, but I said it on purpose. Active in faith and active in action. Active in faith is being expectant of God's promises. Praying knowing that God will keep his promises. Man, having the faith to say, God, I know that you will answer me. Having the faith to be expecting God to follow through and to meet you where you're at. And active in action. Man, how many times have we prayed for a test, right? How, anyone ever prayed for a, for a test? Yeah, lots of us, right? But praying for an A on a test is not an excuse to not study, right? Praying for an A on a test is not an excuse to just go and just wing it, okay? Because it's not going to work out for you. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's probably not going to work out, okay? I've been there. I've done it. I've tried it. Didn't work. I just picked C for all the answers. Didn't work, okay? Doesn't, no, C? I'm a pretty good guesser, actually. I was pretty good at it in high school. But here's the point. Man, we can't just say, okay, God, would you just do this for me? Sometimes, and sometimes God says, I will help you. I will be with you. But I need you to take a step. I need you to walk. I need you to take a step in faith. Man, God says, no, you need to go study for your test. Man, I wonder if there's people that we're praying for and we're too afraid to go talk to them about Jesus. And so we keep them at arm's distance and we say, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm just going to stay back here because I'm too afraid to go talk to them. But I wonder if Jesus is saying, no, I, I want you to take a step in faith. I want you to go talk to them about who he is. I wonder if he's, if he's calling you to take that step, to actively pray. Man, and he's going to walk with you through the whole thing. Man, but we have to pray ready to be in obedience to him, ready to follow him. So the five things, pray constantly, pray passionately, pray thankfully, selflessly, and actively. Now, if you got your Bibles, I want you to open uh, to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you've got a phone and you've got a Bible on there, pull it out because it's worth it. So, because you can go read it later. 1 Kings chapter 18. We only got a few more minutes, but I want us to look at the life of Elijah. Because Elijah, Elijah was a prophet. And a prophet, sometimes we think of a prophet and we think like, okay, a prophet just told the future. But that wasn't, yeah, they did tell about things about the future that were going to happen. But a prophet really at what they were was they would just listen to what God says and then they would tell people about it. So it doesn't have to be the future. It could be, but it was just listening to God and, and relaying that to people. Okay, And so Elijah lived his life in constant prayer, constant communication and communion with God. And so Elijah did this with God, but that doesn't mean that his life had some times where it sucked and he had a hard time. We're going to look at how Elijah went through a time where he was really good and then really bad and then really good. But the whole time, 
Elijah is constant in prayer and communication with God. And because of that, we're going to see God continually providing. So Elijah does this. First Kings chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to tell some of it and jump around, but we're going to start in a second in verse 25. Um, and so here's what's happening, okay? Elijah basically says, hey, to the king, I want you to call all the people and all these prophets of this other god, Baal, and I want you to call them up to the mountain. I want you to call them up to the mountain and tell them all to come up here with me. What happened in this time is all the prophets of God, the one true God, all the prophets were killed except Elijah. And there were all these other prophets of Baal, of this other God. And the Bible says that there was 450 when they called all of them up to the mountain, there's 450 of, this, of, of prophets of this, guy, of this God, Baal. 450. And there was one, Elijah, of the true God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going up against 450 people who are going to try to disprove me, man, I, gotta, I need some help. And so Elijah, he's constant in prayer, constant in communication with God. And so this is what happens. Verse 25 then Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, Choose yourselves one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So here's what he says. He says, look, I want you to make this altar. I want you to make this altar, and I want you to take this, these bowls, this meat of what they would offer to God, and I want you to put it and make this altar, but I, want, I don't want you to put fire to it. I want you to call down fire from your God. Okay? So he says, I want you, because you think your God is bigger and better, I want you, 450 people, to call fire down from your God to this offering. So he says, okay, you, could do that. you guys do this. So verse 26, and they took the bowl that was given to them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made and at noon Elijah mocked them. This is my favorite part. Cry aloud, for he is a... He is a for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. So Elijah's like, look, maybe he's pooping. Who knows, right? Like, call louder. Figure it out. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after those, their, as was their custom with swords and lances, until blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Let me ask you something. How often do we spend our time and our energy chasing after things of the world? How often do we think, man, if I just go and grab this thing, then that thing is going to give me what I need? How often do we think, man, if I just get this one thing, then I will be fulfilled and I'll never have any more needs. And then we come up empty. No one answers. No one paid attention. And then we skip down. Elijah has them put together the altar for him in verse uh, 33. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowls in pieces and laid on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and put it on the burnt offering and on the wood. So he has this, this offering, and he has them build a trench around it and everything. And so he has them get jars of water. And he says, look, pour the jars of water onto the wood. Do you think it's really hard? Has anyone ever tried to, to burn wet wood? 
Is it very easy? No. So he says, look, take four jars, pour it on top of the wood and on top of the meat. Then he says this, uh, verse 34, and do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. Can you, anyone do math? What's four times three? Well, that's 12 buckets of water, jars of water. They poured on top of this wood and meat. And then it says that the water drained down into the trench. And so there's this trench that's around this meat with full of water. The, the, wood, is, the wood is drenched with water, and the meat is drenched with water. And he's supposed to call down fire from God to light this offering. Let's see what happens. 36. And the time of the offering came, and Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant. And I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. Do you hear the passion? The passion that we were talking about earlier. Elijah's praying with passion that this people may know you and the selfless prayer. That these people may know you and you have turned their hearts back. Verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And here's the point. Because Elijah was in constant prayer, constant communication and communion with God, and he, God did this incredible thing through him. He was able to face 450 people that, that, were, that were accusing him, that were, were about to kill him, that were going to say, no, you are wrong. He was all by himself. Because, but because he was in constant communion with God, he, didn't, he wasn't afraid. And then later on, if we keep reading, we read about how, how Elijah um, sends this, how Elijah prays, and he asks God desperately, passionately, God, would you send rain? Would you send rain on these people? There was a famine for years and years and years, and, God, and, and Elijah says, I know that this is coming. I know that you can do that. Remember the expectancy that we said, the faith? Elijah says, I know, God, that you can do this. And so it happens. God sends rain. And so Elijah does these two incredible things. And then he gets this letter. This letter that says, I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. This letter from the, king's, from the king's wife, the queen, whatever you want to call her, that she says, listen, I'm going to kill you. She's the one who killed all the other prophets. And she said, look, I'm coming for you, and I'm going to kill you. This is what happens for Elijah Verse, uh, or chapter 19, verse 4, it says, But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah just had just done these two incredible things. And then he hits the bottom. Remember the roller coaster? He hits the bottom. And he's broken. And he's scared and he's hurting, and he's tired. And he's saying, God, I can't do this anymore. To the point that he says, man, just take 
my life. But here's what God says. And he lay down and slept under a tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was, there was a, a head of cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose, and he ate, and he drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights. Guys, Elijah hit rock bottom. Elijah hit rock bottom after he'd just done these incredible things. And I'm convinced that there's some of us in here who are sitting at rock bottom, feeling hopeless, feeling tired. And we're coming to the end of the school year. We're tired. We're worn out. We don't know what else to do. Listen, God says, I'm with you. I'm right here. You guys want to know how I know that, that God says he's with us? And God would send his only son, Jesus, to be with us. And if he would do that, if Jesus would die on the cross while we decided to turn from him, guys, he would meet us at our lowest point and say, I'm with you. Here's food. Eat and keep going. Man, so prayer, listen, now what does this all have to do with prayer? Prayer is less about this moment of talking to God, about these things that we have to say. And it's about a relationship with the God who loves us, who never gives up on us. And with the God who would send his only son to die for us, for you while you were running from him. Prayer is about an opportunity and a privilege to talk to that God that wants and desires to have a relationship with you. Man, so don't leave tonight. Don't leave. I say this every week, man. Don't leave tonight without taking a step toward him. Without taking a step, choosing to follow him. Choosing to commit your life, to devote your life to prayer because you say, man, because Jesus, if Jesus can do that, man, I can spend five minutes a day saying, Jesus, thank you. I can spend my life devoting myself to communion and communication with him. Take that next step, whatever that is for you. Man, take the step in obedience to him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you. We thank you that you, we never, you never give up on us. We thank you that we can trust you to fulfill your promises. God, thank you for the life of Elijah and how we can see that you provided for him in every moment, that you were walking with him in every moment, even when he was up against the, the 450 people and you were walking with him. Even when he was up against death and fear, you were with him and you provided. Jesus, I pray that we would hope and trust in you tonight, that we would choose to commit our lives to you and to devote our lives to a prayer of communication and communion with you. Jesus, we love you. Would you bless conversation tonight? We praise you in your name. Amen.